TRP is a theologically progressive Baptist church in Salisbury, Maryland. This is our podcast. Here's the build-up right here. Come, let us adore him. <laughs> welcome, welcome, welcome. That's what John Oliver says, but I can say it too if I want to. He didn't trademark it. No, he did not. This is the TRP podcast. And folks, we've got a very special guest for you here in Jude's bedroom. Special guest, say something. I'm here. I'm <gasps> Who here, is folks. it? Who is it? I have one of those crazy masks on. You can't tell who I, I know. I was She's getting the masked speaker. Well, I was getting flashbacks to even like earlier dating game sort of stuff where it's um. like reveal yourself, mystery <laughs> guest. Oh boy! And then Susie comes sauntering out. When when's the last time this was actually Jude's bedroom? It's been long enough where we should stop referring to it yeah. as Jude's bedroom because he's wondering when he's getting it back. You know what though? Here's the deal. He loves rooming with his big bro, mm. so even if he had his own room, I believe he would end up with his big bro. Also, they've got the the bunk bed set up now. It's a good it's a good little situation they've got there. Yeah. So, they don't mess with each other. Uh, yeah, they do, but I mean, they don't want to be apart Gosh. from each other. Yeah, that so, was not the case for my girls. So every morning, one of them will wake up and say to the other. Jude or <laughs> Abe, and then they'll both come downstairs at the same time. It's That's incredibly so cute. annoying. That's one word. My word's annoying. Tessa's word is cute. I mean, I don't. I, they're not waking me up. So. Oh gosh, yes. So I can see where yours would be coming from. Well, here we are in what used to be Jude's bedroom for the TRP podcast, and we are in fact joined by Susie Peterson, the Ooh. associate minister of the Restoration Project. Hello. In Hello. Salisbury, Maryland, as you know. Mm -hmm. Before we get into the recap of Susie's really good sermon, good grief, I listened to it through um, Community of Joy's Facebook page because Susie double-booked herself, preached the morning at Community of Joy, which is a brethren church uh, in Salisbury as well. Their pastor needed a a week so she filled in the pulpit there and did double duty with that message so i was able to watch it from community of joy's facebook page and i was it was short it was very short you are not known for preaching lengthy sermons i am not and this was short even for me i mean i'm short and sweet i'm putting it at 11 minutes 11 12 minutes the whole entire uh <laughs> the whole entire thing service was 33 minutes long that's what the people want. That's what they really you want. You know what? Gosh, they do. And so many of us are hell bent on hearing ourselves talk for forty minutes or so each week. Not, not to, this girl. Mm, not this girl. Yeah. Not me either. <clears throat> <clears throat> yeah, I mean that's and certainly we're not here to give you ninety minutes of podcasting. <clears throat> no, no, definitely no, not. No, we don't want to do that. No. Um, not tonight. <laughs> but geez, it was like, I was driving from my house. I forget where I was going. I ended up at, at Rise Up, and it was going through the speakers at Rise Up. And I'm not an emotional person, but you almost had me a, f a few times. And it's usually when you had yourself. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like, when you start shaking, the rest yeah. of the room starts shaking a little bit. 
It's true. But it was it was really powerful. And I I also love how this is going to be a a selfish statement, okay? So we can kick that around if you want, but I love how when I talk nobody really says anything. And then Susie gets the mic for a week and our Slack feed is blowing up with, that was the greatest thing I've ever heard. I'm so moved by your ministry. I just love the words yeah, that I, you say. I'm not sure that was the case at all. Well, it was, you know, I I embellish. I will yeah. say, though, if yeah. we have, if Susie is in any post on Facebook, it automatically gets more. <laughs> she's just really well connected and well liked. I, you I, know? I've been here. Yeah. What? 49 years. Yeah. I'm curious, too, because I wasn't there. Did attendance boost? No. Did you bring no. your tribe with you? No. Okay. Not a one. In, in Not even my husband. Oh, no. my gosh. Well, it was his birthday, wasn't it? No, that was the next day. He okay. was wiped out. He, he spent was... the, the whole day asleep. Yeah. Well, and, and part of that, I assume, is, is some of the stuff that we're going to talk about, why you guys were, were so tired. Before we get into that, though, and just as a matter of um, – you know, introduction. This this conversation is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be less nerdy than usual, but I'm hopeful that um, a, a lot of the conversation that was had on Sunday will be a springboard for conversation here as well. Really important and meaningful conversation. So, can I, can I say that it's probably because I am less of a nerd than you are? Yes. Okay. And. Here's like I remember when I was first starting ministry, you know, and I I was working under a pastor who had been serving for a long time in one church. I I believe he may have even started the church. I forget the history, but he had been there for 30 some odd years. Everybody loved him. He told a lot of stories. He told a lot of bad jokes. It was very endearing. And I felt for the longest time that I had to be that. Like I had to replicate what he was doing in order to meet people where they were, which is completely insane. Gee, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you unpack that because if you have ever tried to be me or sound like me or teach like me, that is not what anybody wants from you. Yes. I get that. You second guess that fact sometimes. All the time. Yeah. Which I, I know, I mean. When, we've got a specific kind of person well, that comes Susie, to TRP. When you have, a, you know, a, an audience of 22 <laughs> to 25 people, I know how intimidating <laughs> that can be. And you think, oh, he's got it all figured out. And people are coming out in droves <laughs> to hear this wisdom. I can see why you might want to put that yeah. on yourself and try to replicate it. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little like what we talked about last week, though, with not in the same way, but like with turning the gem. Yeah. You're going to offer one perspective and one style of teaching, and Susie's going to offer another, and no one wants either of you to be the other person. No. We want what you have. We want that at the table. It's difficult to find your voice when it's not a a regular occurrence. Yes. When you're when you're filling the pulpit every 15 to 20 weeks, it's hard to find a rhythm. Which is why I'll be stepping away for the next 19 weeks and you can have all <laughs> wow. of those, surprise. okay? Yeah, surprise. Is this, is I'm this going the to Barbados. Grand announcement tonight <laughs> for this the is podcast. It. This is it. 
We've saved up. Wow. We're going to Barbados. I'll be back in. Oh, oh wow. He's really what not going to be here. <laughs> June or so. I would love to see you try to relax in Barbados. I for would be as weeks. burned as a person could be. The sun is You would oppressive. be less burned than yes. I would Tessa, be. Tessa, I'm going to tell you right now. Do not go to Barbados because the sun, or it feels Mexico. like it's 15 feet away from you. It's I just have like... no plans of going anywhere. That's all I could think of when we went to Mexico this summer. Thank goodness that Tessa's not here. Even under an umbrella, <laughs> loaded, <laughs> loaded with sunscreen, loaded with clothes, she would have burned crisp. I would to have been a crispy. crisp. Yeah, it's a different sort of heat. It's hot. I'm not made for that, and that's okay. I yeah. am. Oh. You are? Give me the sun. Give me the mountains. Okay, well, I'm hopeful that you can be encouraged Susie in that people need to hear your voice and encourage you to continue to find that I've been in a couple of different scenarios uh, specifically surrounded by um, the leaders of our church who I remember at one point were sort of pleading with you to be in that role more often to speak to find your voice to to make connections because there's just certain things that are not gonna come from me that will meet people where they are. For example, you diverted from the lexicon this week. Yes, the plan had been, I mean, I've known I was going to preach for a few months. For, yeah, for a few months. So I knew what the passages were. I had read up, read the commentaries, had things floating, floating in my head, knew kind of where I wanted to go with it. And then I just, I just couldn't do it. Well, that text from the lexicon, Mark 13, was not an easy text, right? It's about the temple. It's about its upcoming destruction. Jesus is sort of uh, continuing to have conversations with his disciples and the surrounding people about the temple complex, which we've talked about for weeks now. In Mark, it's sort of been leading up to this, but it's, it's a long apocalyptic discourse from Jesus about the temple complex. Not an easy passage to make any sort of modern day application. Is that fair? No, that, that's very fair. And then some of the things that we experienced over last week. Um, you know, I tried to I tried <laughs> to think how I could bring those bring some connection with what we were you know what we were going through and what we were seeing our friends go through. Um, and I just, it didn't feel genuine. So yeah. I scrapped it. And even looking at the text that you did pick back to like the differences, the stuff that come like moves off of the page and meets me was not really the stuff that you were engaging with. Like even the text we joke like Mark 13, tough passage, the passage that you picked from Matthew 25 also not a really easy passage because we have Jesus at some of his clearest teaching. This is him talking about the sheep and the goats and, and separating them and um, talking about one group of people going to the lake of fire for all eternity. Yeah. Just light I, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of ignored it. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. Which goes into your entire um, MO of this talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read your words to you. I've got your sermon manuscript here, and I, I want you to walk us through this. You, you said you were, you were looking at Mark 13 
And then in your manuscript, you said, here's the thing I'm learning about pastoring. Sometimes the things you're experiencing in your own life must steer how you pastor and care for others. So you're looking at Mark 13, that's not where you are. And then you say, I'm, I'm going to put that on the back burner and I'm going to be vulnerable and speak from my heart. Tell us more a little bit about that, that decision and how you, how you got to that place. So on, let's see, Monday, the Monday before I preached, um, I actually had gone to a, a very good friend's uh, brother's viewing another that was a a tragic event as well um but went went there to support her let her know that i cared about her care about her um got home kind of settled down and got a phone call that um our our dear friend had um had taken his own life just a few hours before um, so we went over, we went over immediately, uh, went to, you know, I don't, it's such a difficult, it's a difficult, uh, thing to navigate. You, you want to be there for your friend and their kids and, you know, there's nothing that you can really say. So you just go and you just hug them and you tell them you love them. Um, but that's, you know, the week was spent, uh, grieving, you know, it's not that it's over, but it was such a, uh, shock and just, you know, they never left our mind last week at all. Um, so I tried to, I, I did try to think how I could tie in the emotions I know I was feeling and my friend and you know all her friends everybody that loved and cared for loves and cares for this family and it just wasn't happening with with the passage from from the lectionary Um, so I was in the shower Thursday morning and I honestly this just it was these words were put on my heart and it was um that god uses his people to show his love and his his care for others um and if anybody knows me they know that my memory is nearly non-existent so i hopped out of the shower with my broken foot i hopped out i got my uh, cell phone and i wrote that in the notes because i knew it'd be gone because that's me Um, and I just started to think about the past week and how God had, had put people in my friend and her kids' lives, um, at just the right time and, and to provide just the right words and deeds and actions. Um, and that's what I chose to kind of focus on instead of asking all the questions of of why I mean we we did that as well but um, I just had to to try to uh, just put things in perspective and think of of God's love and how he works in times like this 
How do you think it would have gone if you stuck with Mark 13? I think it would have been garbage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it would have been very um, disingenuous how for, do you, for how, me to stand up there and, you know, preach, preach on that difficult passage when I'm ex- you know, so far I'm from ex- where you are yeah. right now. Yeah, when it just wasn't practical. How would it have gone with Mark 13 had you had a normal week? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. Now, I'm, ask- know- I'm asking these questions because I, I, want, I want people to, to maybe think along with us about the role of the minister because like when you when you first started texting me i i got numerous texts from you all last week saying i can't concentrate i can't think this isn't this doesn't feel right i don't i don't know what to do it almost felt like cries for help like yeah, get get like me that's... get me out of this put somebody else in this place i probably would not have argued with you yeah and for some like i i didn't i didn't do that Clearly, and I felt like a real heel for not doing that. But I also like my my responses to you were sort of like this is part of what it means to be a minister, right? You you have these massive moments, and they're not always your massive moments. No, this sometimes is not my massive right, moment. Right, you, you're an eyewitness to someone else's massive moments, but that has its own sort of uh, weight upon your heart and i I don't i I don't want to diminish the the difference between how people are processing this tragedy you know what i mean right like the way that that we sort of view the grief of others and participate in some way it's just not not matched if that's a, a fair way to say that but you clearly had this disconnect between what you had in front of you the role of preaching, teaching, ministering to others who don't know what you're dealing with. Even that was that was one of the texts. It's like, do you think they're going to be nice? It was almost like, will they be nice to me if this is awful? Right. Pretty much. And I said, well, no, they, they won't because they don't know what, what's, what's, what's going, going on. on. Yeah. Do you think it's normal for people pastors to go the vulnerable Brene Brown route or are they, are they maybe more inclined to do what I was saying which was put your head down write the thing do your best uh, I've got to say that our dear friend Pastor Martin Hutchinson <laughs> <laughs> texted me um I was preaching, speaking for him Sunday morning, and he just encouraged me to speak what was on my heart Mm -hmm. and to allow God to use me. And that's when I really started thinking, you know, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna scrap that original plan, but I still had no idea what to say. Because as you mentioned, sometimes there are no things to say. Like I, I know I've found myself staring out in, you know, with people in front of me, knowing that I'm supposed to be doing something, 
speaking life into their souls, you know, and I, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, aggrandize the role of the, the minister, even though I think the American context has sort of done that on its own. Um, there's this expectation that you feel, and I'm just not into it because my week has been awful right. because my day, Sundays are tough around the James household because I've been absent in the life of my family on Sundays for almost nine years, M more than that, I guess, because I've had other roles in, in churches. So they're not always a great and relaxing time. Right. Kate managing the kids, trying to hang out with them. They're five and seven. They're going crazy. She's frustrated. I'm upstairs writing a sermon because I'm a procrastinator. And that you bring some of that into your work and it, it gets messy and it gets difficult. How did you feel um, the response was with the, the vulnerability? From the people or even even it? even just maybe in your in your own I, spirit. I it was cathartic to be able to to talk about how we felt and how the grief and the shock and the sorrow we were feeling that it wasn't just us it was so many people <laughs> so many people love this family and it just no, it felt like a relief almost. Would Not you say that there's any part of that um, in helping you process your grief, that sharing that with your church community is is um, healing in any way or at least helps you process things? Yeah, and I, it's funny because I, I did the – I spoke the same same – sermon mon Sunday morning and Sunday night um, I think Sunday night there were probably more <laughs> tears from me then because it is my church family and it is people that I know and love and care about and I know that they are there for me as well so that I knew I would be loved on you know mm -hmm. afterwards you said in your talk that when tragedies occur most people, probably yourself included, end up asking massive theological questions, Absolutely. right? Like the, how could God let this happen? This being diagnosis, this event, this tragedy, this natural disaster, what, fill in the blank with whatever's going on. How could God let this take place? Or uh, why would God allow this pain? Or, or the, the big one, if God is really loving why are people suffering at all? Does God even care? How have you attempted to, to answer these questions or not answer these questions? I would say I opted for the not option. <laughs> um, as I said in the sermon, it's not going to be anything that's very satisfying for the listener but we're we don't know we're not going to know in this lifetime and so for me I just couldn't of, of course I asked those questions 
but I couldn't dwell on that. I had to look for, I had to look for God's love in the situation or else I think you would just, I mean, lose your mind thinking of, thinking about all these what if questions. You said even just in the last few moments that that answer would be unsatisfying for people. Tessa, do you buy that? An actual answer to one of the questions that you're... Do you think somebody would come away from a talk where the the speaker says, I don't know, slash, we can't know, slash, this is way too big? And and I don't think anybody in this in this room, in, in Jude's room, in the studio, <laughs> w- would be... Um, would be saying that sort of stuff as a God's ways are higher than our ways sort of garbage answer. That's not what we mean here. Yeah. Right. There's no like big grand plan that's unfolding when tragedy happens. Right. We're just saying at a very base level, like we cannot answer some of these questions that have been posed for millennia. But I'm also sure that there are people at other at other churches who have the answers, quote unquote, have the answers. To me, not have the answers, but you know, yeah. give people answers. To me, you're honoring the question more by letting it be a question and wrestling with it than giving some answer that isn't even real that we can't know is real. Yeah, because that that answer or that platitude or that spiritual garbage is usually more for the person saying it yeah. than the person receiving it. Right? Like I in in my own family when when the stuff hits the fan, I've I've been in the rooms hearing people trying to explain things that have no explanation. And reducing it to God's got a plan. Yeah. And I and I would you know, I've I've had some loss. I've lost both my parents and other people that I love and care about and a house fire and mm-hmm. you know, I, I've gone through some things and I'm here to tell you that you just want somebody to show up. You want somebody to know you just want to know that somebody loves and cares for you you don't need to hear it's almost like a slap in the face yeah when you get an answer like that right that's and that's why i'm pushing back like yeah yeah clearly some people would be dissatisfied by a sermon or a, a, a theological talk that leaves mystery on the table that leaves certainty at the door that says hell if i know because it's uncomfortable but yes i also really really believe that there's a good amount of people that want that are desperate even to hear that mm-hmm. you know like the mom going through a miscarriage does not want to hear god's got a plan screw that yeah. You know, wouldn't it wouldn't it be much better just to say no idea. But I'm here. Right. 
and I'm trying to be present for you in the midst of your grief. I think it's a much more honest answer to say, I don't know. Yeah. But I love you and I'm here for you. And it's much more of a, right, I'll be here with you rather than I'm going to be here by giving you this. It's much harder to sit with people in the middle of their tragedy than it is to text them a short, like, God's got a plan and then be done with it. You know, it takes more energy and time and commitment to... Which, this is one of the massive differences between American Christianity and other religious expressions. And I don't know if this is just emphasis on the American part or emphasis on the cultural Christianity part, but we tend to rush grief. Mm -hmm. We tend to rush to resolution. We don't want to sit Shiva with someone for a week. We don't want to encourage someone to stay away from the community for a few months until they've had time to process and then re-enter. You know, like we don't want to let people go and be and explore and find themselves or I mean gosh just think about I just think about my own work you get you get four days <laughs> for the death of a parent yeah four days crazy. yeah and I think that speaks a lot to the overall American culture less so like Christianity it's the same thing with like maternity or paternity leave the way that we view getting back to work I think is different than it is in other parts of the world i'm half tempted to say and i'm hearing every every voice screaming in my head no don't don't say what you're about to say but i'm half tempted to say that this is the influence of capitalism um and how Probably. we and how we do things in america like it's a commerce driven sort of uh, production is king sort of thing so we can't let people stay home with their newborn we can't let people stay home and grieve because the machine keeps going i don't want to get overly political there and, and uh, to be quite honest i have no idea if what i'm saying <laughs> makes real sense uh i'm a trained theologian uh but it just seems like that's sort of the the mo in a lot of situations and in the church it's the same we don't know how to lament Think of the songs that we usually sing. Well, t take TRP off. Uh, <laughs> we have a lot of quote-unquote sad bastard yep. songs that that we have been known to sing. In fact, a, a good number of people have left <laughs> because the music is so... Is that why? I mean, people say all kinds of stuff, but that, that's been a thing that has been said. Whatever. Slow, <laughs> thoughtful, contemplative, not... not nine minute long Hillsong anthems with a huge bridge and this crescendo that makes you feel in your very soul. I was about to say bowels, but you don't want to feel oh too much in your bowels. Oh my goodness, no. I've never no. felt worship in my bowels personally. Uh, no, seriously. I when, haven't. Hold on, not worship, but when you go into like a concert venue and that <clears> bass, <throat> that kick drum comes in or that bass line is like shakes your whole insides. Oh. You know what I'm saying? You feel it in your intestines. I feel it right in my let's intestines. Just, let's call it something other than bowels. <laughs> okay, so actually, your gut. Uh, hold on. 
just to be clear, bowels is a very biblical word. Like all throughout the Old Testament, okay, there's but bowels. You okay. did not specify not, that right. you were talking That's about your theological I'm bowels. I'm saying that we don't lament, we don't grieve, we sing praise songs at all times in the calendar year, regardless of what's happening in our country, regardless of what's happening in our community, regardless of what's happening in our homes, we sort of expect people, put your brave face on and sing these songs like you mean them, even if you're so far away from, you are good, good, mm." you know? Like that's not connecting with where you are, but yet that's what we are singing. No offense to my main man, John Mark McMillan. I love who, that song. Who I actually think is, is that's more of a, a call to believe this even, even if, if you, you can't, if you can't yeah. or hear the hear the sounds of the choir around you as you are processing. He's he's a bit more thoughtful than some, but like we kind of we we land on those anthems and that that expectation of praise, smiley, faith over fear, all of that that stuff, which doesn't really prepare us for moments like this, right? No. So what? What do we do? (laughs) Well, I scrapped it and went with the real stuff. Okay, so this is a a Brene Brown push towards vulnerability. Sure. Yeah, I'd say so. I, I, I think that there's certainly beauty in that. And I wonder if this is... Uh, sort of a call that a myriad of personalities and approaches to life should be part of a church's leadership so that communities can benefit from different ways of of processing and and thinking. Well, yeah, I was going to say, too, like, Susie's way of processing what she has gone through the past week was to be vulnerable and open about it. And I think that it could be true that another person's way of processing it would not be to do that in front of the whole church and maybe to pick a smaller group of people to share that with. And that's totally fine. I think there's value in both of those. And maybe to preach the other thing anyway. But I think Susie had a definite um, call or... It was placed on her to to speak about the other thing. And so I think going with that was the right choice for her. I do wonder sometimes like that that mentality of I'm going to do this this other thing. I'm going to do the Mark 13 thing. I'm going to stick with the playbook thing. I don't think that's always escapism no. on the part of the pastor. Mm-mm. Sometimes I think that there's this compulsion – Mark 13 is such a terrible example because that's not helping anybody anywhere. Um, although all scriptures God breathe, you know what I'm saying? It's profitable, <laughs> huh? you know, except for some, some stuff that's really hard to talk about. But like that's sort of I need to do this for the people out there, which, is, which could very well be wrong or a misreading of what the people are needing. But sometimes there's this mentality of I need to – push through for the sake of these folks well i was i was a little worried after that it was super depressing i did not find it depressing 
I found it hopeful in the fact that you can find, I don't know, it was like, like about the, the beauty of God's community and surrounding other people when they're going through hard yeah. stuff. It's also hopeful in the sense of, so th- this passage, um, it kind of centers on uh, this this line, I, I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. I always, side note, I always get a jab in the heart from that last line. Like, I was in prison and you visited me. I haven't been to a prison to visit anybody. And I feel, uh, that one just comes off the page like, maybe, Josh, you should <laughs> think about doing this and I, I'm I should probably get on board with that but I would also say that there's good ways to do prison ministry and then there's <laughs> other ways that are not tell us more about your prison <laughs> ministry Tessa well <laughs> I we, thought you had a, mm-hmm, a prison ministry I've been story. in several prisons um and we went and played not as an inmate mm, no not yet okay. um we went in and played as a band and played mostly secular songs and then in the middle or towards the middle or end of our set we would have like um christian song or like a worship song and then one person was picked to tell their story and it was about his little sister who was an infant and had a literal hole in her heart so you can see where oh, that went. No. And he now feels like gross about it because. Well, you Tim Tebowed him. That's what you did. You talking? I did not. The, I mean, the team. It that that feels like a the bait and switch. Like we'll get him by singing some pop oh, tunes, oh, the, oh. and then we'll take a hard right and do a gospel presentation. And then, of course, we had yeah the gospel presentation, and we had passed out cards and all of that. Yeah, well, you can tell your friend to to call me because I can certainly commiserate in looking back on the course of my life and the things that were done in the name of Jesus that were completely heinous. But th- yeah. th- that's that's the point of this passage is the the people who are being lauded have no idea that this is something that they did. Lord, when when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? Like they, it's not something that they did in a church van driving to the local prison to tell a testimony it's complete they're completely unaware of the ways in which they have ministered to the quote unquote least of these we 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 specify the least of these as the like the vulnerable like the poor the like we have a certain people group that we quantify as the least of these so that when we go to a soup kitchen we're ministering to the least of these you know what i mean yeah i wonder how the least of these feel about that how about just treating everyone (laughs) we're all the least of these at some point yeah yeah now i I certainly don't want to say that we shouldn't be working in some ways with vulnerable populations of course yeah but there's a, a a way in which that is very much like a savior mentality and also a colonialist Jesus conquering get people saved through a sandwich yeah sort of situation that's not great but the point here in this passage is they they have no idea that they're even that they're even doing 
this sort of Jesus-y work, How which is sort saved? of mind-blowing. Sandwich. <laughs> oh, that must have been a really good yeah, sandwich. Yeah, it was a really good sandwich. Yeah, I I don't know. It's a it's a it's a difficult place where we find ourselves attempting to be Jesus because I don't know about y'all, but it seems to me like I tend to think about this stuff a lot. Like the surprise is sort of removed because I'm attempting to do this. Does that make sense? What's the surprise? Like the, when did I do that? Oh. Like I could give you a list of when I was doing that. Because I'm, try- like I'm trying to check the boxes. But this passage is sort of saying there, there are no boxes. It's about treating everyone with respect and dignity and worth and loving people not as a, uh, something that you've set out to do, but something that's just innate and moves through you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Susie, I, I want you to talk about this because I feel like you could say um, to, to people, I was hungry and you fed me. Like you have moments in your life where you've seen the community rally. Yeah? Absolutely. Tell us about that. I mean, it, you know, when we lost our home in a fire, I mean, every one of those boxes was checked. We had nothing, you know, for the most part. And we people provided for every basic need that we had plus more. The community, family, friends, church complete strangers i've got two follow-up questions on this one is one is easy-ish and one is like oh so we'll do the easy one first how has that experience impacted or not how you live was that like a catalyst moment where you said oh man i need to be that when other people need that or or was that just I feel like she's she does that anyway. I don't want to speak for her, but I was just gonna say I feel like she does that anyway. I do sort of a way she was. She's always been so hospitable and welcoming and all of that. So how did that how did that impact you then? I I I think because this was such an enormous uh, the enormity of the situation of the need, it just had greater impact on me because it was literally every everything we needed everything we needed shelter and we needed clothes and we needed basics you know and those those were met so I think it was just the fact that it was everything all at once if that makes any kind of sense oh yeah as as an objective third party to this it was very evident like the help was early and often like it was there were people droves very quickly very quickly and it wasn't just the people that wanted to see you know Mm -hmm. wanted to poke around it was like people that had bags of stuff yeah tracy always tells a story about you know i think y'all put a call out we thought we had some clothes that were savable but they were going to need to be washed and get the smell out and all that 
and he he tells a story i'm sure it's you know he doesn't do anything without a little exaggeration uh (laughs) but he says he remembers being up at the second floor window ready to throw really just not a whole lot of stuff that was savable down to people and he said there were just people lined up waiting wanting to take our laundry to now, do something. Here's the uh, part of this. We all knew when we were, this is what I'm talking about. We all knew when we were lining up to take your clothes and wash them or to give you a casserole, we knew what we were doing. Do you think, do you, do you think that cheapens it a little bit? No, no. I, I think it's human nature when something happens to somebody else that you want you want to help you want to help them it's a very helpless feeling i mean i really experienced this as well when my brother-in-law passed away and you see the people that you love struggling and and grieving and just having their world change in the blink of an eye and it's helpless so I don't know if that's you could consider that a selfish motive. Well, see, I'm 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 always asking I think the wrong questions about stuff like this, like getting underneath of my own motives and desires to wonder if they're pure or if they're still kind of tainted with the I so want Jesus to love me. I want to do things to make him love me, which is not the gospel. Gosh, I just don't. I'd never, I never think like that. Well, when you grow up and and your gospel yeah. is, Jesus's dad was so mad at him that he killed him because he, he was also mad at you. It's like this this all this grossness. And you're like, oh, so I'm terrible. And you, you just, were born evil. Well, that's that's and the message. I like, know. That's Romans Road, for all have sinned. And from the womb, you are dirty. Like, okay, first of all, pause. You ever seen a newborn? They are sweet. <laughs> and you and can't tell me. So good. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, now, middle school boy, they stink. There's a difference. <laughs> yes. What? Okay. I can guarantee that. I work in the middle schools <laughs> on yes, a daily basis. You do. Yeah, you do. Okay, but here's the, other, here's the other part of this. And I think this is maybe more of a, a legitimate question than the checking people's motives. Because I, I, I mean, I know when people were there, all they wanted to do was help. Here's the thing, though. And I remember thinking this as it was all unfolding. Maybe we've talked about it. I'm not sure if we have or not. There seemed to be, like, a massive difference between the community outpouring for you and your family than for fill-in-the-blank with any other family that goes through tragedy, whether it's a house fire loss of a loved one, any of that stuff. I don't think that the outpouring of love and support is mirrored in every instance. What do we do with that? Big eyes all around the what studio. Do, like, what I do have we no, do with no that? Crickets. Crickets. Well, I mean, so, like, we, we meet needs I, that I we know. It. We yeah. meet needs that we know and we knew. But like I, I saw online there was a there was a house fire um, with yeah. a, a friend of ours, like her her 
parents lost lost their stuff. Oh yeah. And like one wondering like okay, so how's this outpouring of love and support is it going to be matched? So so what do, what do we do with with that? How how do we how do we navigate that? Like is it is it the case that the church takes care of its own or the church takes care of those for whom it is easy to love and we struggle in being present and supporting and loving others. I remember you saying this in your sermon the night after the fire. Oh, good grief. This, so this is very much like <laughs> Susie goes one way on the fork. Josh goes into the let's rip this apart from a theological angle and talk about our deep-seated guilt and it was. It was part of your sermon. Tell me more about that, because I don't remember what I said yeah, 10 minutes you, ago. You said, you know, what do we, you wanted to challenge the congregation um, to not just respond in that way with somebody that we love. How do you respond to people that are maybe not quite so easy to be around? As lovable or... as you. <laughs> <laughs> but just, you know, people that are on the outskirts or people that I mean you name we, it we have no tools for that right like we we don't just show up and say here we are ready like that's I also a, think that in some cases that would be weird. it would be terrible yeah. yeah but I also think that if another family in our church had a house fire but see, that's the di- so that's the difference, right? So it's like we take care of our own, and I do not mean that in any way as a condemnation towards TRP or any other community. That's what we should do. I do wonder, though, if and when and how we're called to go outside of that structure. I don't know what that would look like or how that would look or what even that would en- encompass, but... Yeah, when I hear that kind of stuff, I always wonder, can we love people that might be more difficult to love or aren't on the forefront of our thinking? Because that's the call too, right? I don't know I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to foster that. And some, that's always like in the back of my mind. I mean, I think one way is by giving to organizations that are already set up to help that's people good. in tragedies. Yeah. I, I, it's very... Now that we have gone through that, if I see on Facebook or whatever that there has been a house fire and there's a GoFundMe, I'm going to give, you know? I wonder, not to put you on the spot, I wonder if it's give and contact. Yeah. You know, because now you have amassed this, I know what it's like to fill out the insurance sheets where you claim everything in your home and how awful that is yeah we have we've met with some people unfortunately that it's happened to and i've put the offer out there many times yeah to strangers who probably think what a weirdo what a weirdo (laughs) why do you want to help us catalog every item we owned why are you trying to catalog my underwear lady (laughs) okay how many pairs of hanes did you have though it's important for the record. Yes. Okay, I'm going to quote you again, Susie, because this one was good, and this actually went on our, our socials. You said, We all know that Jesus' disciples were ordinary, flawed people tasked with the mighty job of spreading the gospel message after Jesus was gone. 
There are plenty of stories in the Bible of how these men were used by God. I would add how these men and, and women yeah, yeah. were used by God. I don't know about you. But women that, are used by God. Yes, they are, <laughs> contrary to what some might mm-hmm. want you to think. Okay, it says that whole situation gives me confidence that perhaps I too can be an instrument of God. Tell, tell me about that. I mean, I think I have a tendency to think, what, what am I? Who am I to make any Who kind of... Who am I <laughs> that the Lord of all oh. the oh. earth... Is that mercy me? Okay, stop. <laughs> you have to. That's an immediate switch from the radio when it comes on. <laughs> My usual reaction to things I don't like on the radio is, oh, no. Man, I wish I could sing that right now. Go for it. No. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, you the world's can. not ready for that. No, but I... It's hard to think that you can do something on God, this mighty creator on his behalf. I mean, that sounds a little grandiose, but. Yeah, but not when you put it in the Matthew 25 context. Yeah. You know, you feed the hungry, you clothe the naked, you go to the imprisoned, you, you show up, you're, you're present and you're you know, available for people. So it's not, it's not grandiose. I think I had the, you know, the first, the, the Mark passage in my brain too, where these disciples are just real dense at what Jesus was trying, (laughs) trying to tell them and try to show them. And I thought, gosh, if they, you know, if they, if he used them, if they were able to, to spread the message, then there's hope for us. Maybe they were dense on purpose because we're dense. So like no. the people that he chose were dense. Okay, so actually Rob Bell would say that the disciples, and I have no idea if any of this is true, so just tuck it away and then Google it later. Um, but he would say that the disciples were actually part of the the group of Torah students who were not picked to follow a rabbi. Last so, on the kickball team. Right. So Jesus basically and this is why they all well. <laughs> they all leave their stuff, you know, and Jesus is like, hey, you random person on the boat, follow me. Okay. And then they just leave immediately See? because nobody else had said, I want you to them. Now that preaches real well. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if that is true to a first century Jewish context. But clearly, yeah, we're not dealing with the the sharpest knives in the in knife the, block. In the knife block, is that is that a thing sharpest people say? Sharpest tools in the shed. Either is way, I what mean, it is. but I don't have tools. That's that's clearly, Kate's world. I have yeah. <laughs> knives because I like to eat. No, so they weren't the sharpest knives right now. So they weren't the sharpest knives. Yeah, Susie's giving me a face. You can't catch that because you're listening. But She's it's. Like, huh? It wasn't helpful, and she will not be praised by the Lord when she oh, wow. when she stands before. Oh my goodness! That's a little drastic. Yeah. The Lord might say you were harsh to Josh when he made that really hilarious. He joke. doesn't have tools, Susie. <laughs> he has knives. Yeah, I know that. Okay, he's got the tools. Yep. But yeah, I think we can get on board with with that, like this idea that some of the simplest acts, which is what Jesus is talking about, are the ones that he's 
wanting so desperately for us to enact. Also, there there is that flip side, and we won't get into the lake of fire stuff no. uh, unless you want to no, do, do, do a quick no. little discourse. No, no. Bring us up to speed on no. your studies. No, okay. I'll just talk a little bit about the lake of fire real quick. Okay, thanks, um, Tessa. It was a fire, fiery lake. I've got nothing. Okay, that's good. Um, those those folks thought that they were doing the stuff, right? There was this sort of misunderstanding. The people who were being lauded were confused. Like, when did we do any of this stuff? Meanwhile, the other people who thought they were doing all this stuff actually weren't, which throws a, a huge wrench into some of our attempts to be instruments of God because sometimes we might go about it in really inappropriate ways that are not at all near what God's best intentions are. Perhaps, coming full circle, that means being in a hospital waiting room and reducing real tragedy to something that might be crocheted on your grandmother's pillow in her sitting room. You know, like instead a, just go and sit. Just shut up and just be and do not feel that you have to theologize a situation or make sense of it on God's behalf. God didn't ask that of us, but yet we feel this this compulsion to explain everything, which is really really missing it tessa what about you um how are you being inspired to be an instrument of god i was not anticipating this question <laughs> that is at not all. on the show notes no <laughs> like scrolling through the notes he sent me where does it direct to me nowhere on here yeah that's not can that i was, tell that you something that tessa did last week yeah. i'll speak on her behalf oh wow the day of the fu- the evening of the funeral, uh, we got back late, and our kitchen had been cleaned. My bedroom was clean. My bed was cleared off, ready to get in, and a a little tree with little loving messages all over it, and a a nice card just letting us know that she was there. Tree. Yeah, it, I made them an Christmas advent tree. tree. A what? You know, like an advent calendar. Uh, okay, it's so, got you, so you didn't for... write, did you write all the notes? Yeah. Yes. You wrote 30, 25? I wrote 25, yeah. And I made and one some for November. Cassidy, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh my and some November. I have and another a one. Joy. I have another one I need to make. It's my mom's birthday. Is that the thing with the chocolate? And a little toy. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah the kids like that. Not for the chocolate, but because of the, the yeah, toy. Naturally. But coming, walking in that bedroom, you know, pretty spent and seeing my bed clear. Ah, yeah, man, that's <laughs> it good. It meant a lot. That's better than walking into your bedroom and seeing all of the clean clothes that need to be folded that are taking up four baskets. Not that I know anything about this. <laughs> yeah. Or the dirty clothes. Or the dirty clothes that aren't in the baskets right, because your clean clothes are in either. the baskets. Yeah. That's where, that's where we're at in life. All of my clothes are folded and put away. <laughs> now, I, I no, they're no, not. No. <laughs> I want to, as as we wrap this up, I want to make this clear. Um, this this was more of a sort of behind the scenes look at pastoral ministry, um, being present with people. We focused a lot here on like 
Susie and what and what she's been doing and how she's been thinking and and processing and you know seeing the hand of God and even as we've been like unpacking that there's still like this this I don't know this this nudge that there's still folks in both of the situations that that you've referred to that are mourning that are grieving that are hurt and confused and waiting, wanting, also maybe simultaneously appreciating these sort of God in us moments. And I just don't want, I don't want that to be lost on, on any of us. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to reduce it to how were you feeling when you were in the pulpit talking about stuff. I don't want it just to be that. I want that to be a piece of the very real things that we all carry with us. Like we've got our scars, we've got our hurts, we've got our big massive questions that are different than scars and the hurts and the big massive questions that the other people in our world are asking simultaneously. And I would encourage all of us just to be cognizant of the differences and maybe to be able to meet needs in the lives of anybody who shows up in our sphere of influence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think it's not always a grand gesture. There's like no. little opportunities if you look for them. Daily. Yeah. And and one of the things I said in in the talk or in the contemplation piece that we did after like have you can you identify a time that you probably did feel God's nudge to do something, something tiny, and and it may have been easier just to ignore it. Oh, yes. So easy. <laughs> Most of the time. Because it seems like the nudges for me involve talking, and I don't like that. Yeah. You know? You don't like talking? You mean talking to strangers? <laughs> I love talking into this microphone about the Bible, but uh, yes, talking to real humans. No, that's mm. that's very different. Humans are hard. Like I was thinking, as you were talking about, like the the non big issues, like the little small issues. Like for me, part of that is is a successful human interaction where there's kindnesses being exchanged. You know, mm-hmm. I feel seen and appreciated and not judged. And sometimes I'm like thinking in the moment, like, oh, this is so great. This is going so well. And then like, I can almost like, you're thinking so much about that. And then then the next thing out of your mouth (laughs) is nice tips. (laughs) Uh, I'm referring to a story where I was at a party and I went up to someone who was wearing these pretty nice businessy, classy flats. And they had the, what was it? Like a silver, tip and so i just casually walked by and thought to myself this will be a good normal thing to say nice tips and i just kept on kept on walking what the heck are you talking (laughs) about that's exactly what she said she's like who is this guy and why did he just say that we've since become you know better friends than we were at that moment and we laugh about how terrible you you uh, tracy had never heard that i told him that story just the other night he was like what he forgets (laughs) but you did miss an opportunity sarah burr our own sarah burr uh, put up a Christmas tree, and she was talking about the glittered tips oh of gosh, the Christmas yes. tree. <laughs> but you weren't there. Nice glittered tips. One of us should tips. have said nice tips. That's a dangerous yeah. thing I, to say I out think, loud. I think a couple of us did. Oh, I missed yes. it. 
Well, I, there's a, I think there's a lot here that we can consider, a lot that we can put into practice, and just I would in, encourage all of us, if you feel that compulsion to act on it. I know a lot of times it's, it's sort of like a text this person. And that's, that's easier for me, like just to shoot off a text. But it can be really meaningful, especially if you go beyond the, hey, how are you sort of stuff, and you get, get real for a moment, not in a weirdo way, which I maybe have also been known to do, but where you just meet somebody where they are and let them know that they're seen and that they're appreciated and that they're loved, and where we can just kind of tackle these opportunities that are right in front of our faces to to clothe people and feed people and love people and meet folks where they are. Final thoughts? Don't I'm, ignore the nudge. Don't ignore the nudge. Turn that into a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Well, Susie, it's been great having I, you here you with know, us. I really appreciate being the first first guest. Mm-hmm. It's yep. been a real experience. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been good. Okay, well, <laughs> big gulps, huh? All right. A uh, couple of announcements while we got you. We don't. I mean, you've already turned this off. But if you happen to be listening, we'll be online for Advent, so you can catch our sermons and music on the old YouTube, or you can join us live for a, a Zoom chat about that. Although I'm going to go on record and say it's way weirder to show up to a zoom room with people you don't know isn't it than to walk into a space keep your camera off that's true be anonymous and keep your camera off although that's kind of creepy i always just assume that maybe they're doing something here's the deal keep your camera off but change your name to too scared to talk and that'll be that'll be perfectly normal slender man (gasps) slender man (laughs) scary i don't like that it yeah, reminds me that. of that that tall creature from the That's... haunting of Hill House with the bowler mm-hmm. hat. You know, crooked, he just kind of Slenderman is a around. different scary um, thing. Bent yeah. neck, bent neck. The bent neck bent lady. Neck lady yeah. Gosh, what a great show that so was! So good. The, the twist there, man. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. So good. Haunting oh, of Hill House. Very <laughs> off topic, but did you hear? Oh, maybe it was you that said it. Keep going. The <laughs> the. Uh, uh, what's the show? Midnight Mass. Yeah. That oh. the island was based on Tangier. Did you say I that? don't know if I did, but... Uh, Based no, on uh, Tangier, no. Tangier Island? Our, our friend was talking about it on, on yes. Facebook. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know that. Apparently, yes. Tangier has families named the Crockets and the Pruitts, which are big Very, characters. Those are and some Eastern Shore names. The, mm-hmm. the writer-director is from Maryland, and his wife is from Silver, Silver Spring. Silver Spring, woo-woo. And so they they know the area, I guess. Wow. And Tangier has like that... dead bodies coming, the caskets coming up. Ugh, because of the, of the flooding and yeah. rain and low water because of high the, water the sinking really oh, less the sinking than the, of the, the flooding island. global yeah, warming climate change right so and that's a whole that's big thing on the island here's the new podcast guys we <laughs> should just be talking about like the the new netflix stuff yes. that we're watching i just started the um the new reboot of dexter uh, i've never watched dexter me either we should watch it well if you do how many seasons are there seasons i believe this is right seasons one and two are incredible three is really weird i think that's right uh and then there's one that redeems itself and then the others are trash and the last the last one above all else was one of the worst things i've ever witnessed so this reboot was sort of like okay they're gonna try to redeem themselves and so far i mean we're only two weeks in but so far they've been all right let's put a a 
plug in here. We love to watch terrible Christmas movies. <gasps> Thank yes, you. That was on my a, list. Oh, yeah. As a as a church community. So part of our uh, Christmas plans, uh, we're going to be online for Advent. We're going to be doing some events. We will be watching a bad Christmas movie every week, and we banter back and forth on Slack, which is a social media app. And we time the beginning of the movie so we're all at the same place, and then we just kind of make fun of the terrible plot and the terrible script and the terrible acting and the terrible costumes. Man, we watched a bad one last night, but it... Don't watch them all. Save, no, these save are them. reruns. Okay. Anything with Vanessa Hudgens uh, in a Christmas role is usually tragic. And mm. well, if she's a princess, it's an added bonus. Yes. Ooh, mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so we do that. And also we're trying to get a Christmas beer and Christmas hymns event on the books where we can drink wintry themed beers. And don't and worry. It'll be good quality. <laughs> Susie's saying that because she was trying to... Uh, locate some Tecate for us. No. And I said, Sam, whoa. No. Whoa. I wanted Sam. <laughs> I mentioned Sam Adams, and you'd think I was talking about... Tecate. Tecate. Actually, I, I got to go on record. I'm I'm fine with Tecate. It's a, it's a, it's a good... It's a good cheap beer tecate. to have with tacos. Um, but yes, I was giving Susie grief for... Her, What's wrong with Sam Adams? Uh, it's just... They're just so big, it feels like... I bet if I part of the sellout movement. Into a, oh, okay, you do but a taste if you, test? oh yeah, oh. We did a, remember we did a wine, a wine one. <laughs> yes, yeah. we did a video. <laughs> Maybe we should do a beer one. Test. That'd be fun. That would be, but I would be terrible at it because I don't drink well, a whole lot of beer. You don't need to be so on then, a video. So, so then maybe just, perhaps just, Sam Adams isn't that. I'm bad. just trying to give the people what they want. I know things. You See, know that. Thing. You know, getting Nevada, Sam Adams. Getting Sam Adams isn't really different than getting like a wintry dogfish head because they're the same company now. That's different. Mm. And now you're talking about my home turf as well. But okay, the, the pride of Delaware. Do they or do they not own dogfish head? Leave them out of it. I'm if just by saying. some miracle you have made it to the end of this, <laughs> I would love to hear whether you think now, that Sierra Nevada, Nevada is a whole lot better than Sam Adams. My mom that, has very strict rules about Nevada and Colorado. What? Colorado? Colorado, Colorado. She's a Colorado, Who? not a Colorado. And she's a Nevada, not a Nevada. Who? My mom. I think I'm doing that right. I'm Nevada and Colorado. Same. Nevada, Colorado. That's what I just said, right? Yeah. Nevada, that's what she Nevada, is. Nevada, Colorado. Yeah, because yeah. I think that's correct. Colorado? She was born in Colorado. She, she would know. I've never heard Colorado. Colorado? I thought she was born no. in California. Anyway, just to button this up, no, she's you mean, from California. You mean she California? In, she, was, she was born in Colorado. California? Sam Adams is technically a craft beer because it is not owned by one of the big five. So it's the largest, I think, independent craft beer Sam Adams companies is? in the country. I believe that is still the case. Okay. Although they function as, you know, what could be described as a big five. And... Dogfish has sort of been drafted into that because they got no paid pun intended. Oh, hey, drafted in beer I jokes. Get it? <laughs> beer jokes and puns. We went to Dogfish on Sunday. I thought you went to Dewey. We went to Dogfish first for the food. We oh, wow! Oh. How did you get to do that on a Sunday, Josh? <gasps> Who because preached you, in your place? Because you were so kind to take my place, which is why 
like the Lord. I didn't want to bail you out. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. I wanted he to, wanted the beers and the I good foods. I wanted to go to Dogfish. No, actually, we, we were in Lewis because Kate was running a half marathon because she's healthy. She's killing the game. And, uh, and I was just there for the food. So we went to Dogfish to eat the food and drink a little bit. And then we went to Dewey to very quickly drink one of their beautiful, beautiful thrills. Mm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. So good. Did you get nachos? They have so uh, that's oh only gosh, their at food the is so place good. in oh. Dewey. So we were in Harbison. I haven't been to that one. Harbison's yet. my favorite spot. What kind? They allow dogs. Beer did you get? It was a strawberry mango mm. something. So like a smoothie. Oh gosh. It doesn't taste anything like alcohol mm-hmm. whatsoever. It's so beautiful. So good. Okay. Well glad we did this. Jeez. <laughs> that was a inspired twelve minutes of banter but we put it all at the end yeah so so we're leaving it in whatever next week we should have another special guest here in jude's room studio and uh we're not gonna spoil it for you so we'll let you be surprised but until then precious people (laughs) we'll see you later (laughs) goodbye goodbye bye